1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be going to Exodus chapter 12 after this. That's just a warning for you, so you can be ready for that. But you know, I remember the first time that I saw Dr. John R. Rice. I was a young preacher boy. I was young at one time, and uh, I saw him, and my dad had the little pamphlets, and the sword still uses those, they, they have those. And my dad had those pamphlets, and I, I saw Dr. Rice's picture on there, and, and one night the preacher boys had an opportunity to come into the uh, sanctuary of the church, and Dr. Rice was going to be there, and I sat down, I was really excited, and I looked around, and I said, who's that old man sitting up there on the, on, on the pulpit up there? And, and uh, it was Dr. Rice. And I was blessed from that. You know, I, I really got a blessing out of that. And I'd seen him several times. I saw him several times after that. And uh, God blessed the ministry of the sword of the Lord. And I'm so glad that, that uh, I could meet Dr. Rice and those people who are responsible for the spreading of God's word around this world. And I just thank God for that. Oh, and one other thing, and I said, you know, who's that old man sitting up there? Now, when I go past a mirror, I have to say, who's that old man in that mirror? I'm probably older than he, he was. I'm older now than he was at that time. I'm not sure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now if I were to ask you tonight, who is our Passover? Who is our Passover? We just read it. Christ is our Passover. And as uh, we think about that tonight, I want to go back to Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses here. And uh, we'll get into the message in just a few moments. I've only got about an hour's message tonight. I hope you're ready. And I promise I won't keep you. I'll try not to keep you as long as I did last week. But however the Lord leads, that's what we're going to do. You know, I've been blessed to hear some great preaching, Brother Banfi and uh, Brother Josh. And, and uh, uh, Gary taught a, a Sunday school lesson this morning, a great time. And, and I, I just thank the Lord for this church and thank the Lord for our pastor a man who stands upon the Word of God. And these other men of God who preach the Word of God, Brother Osborne, he, he is a man of God, and I, I appreciate these and others. I could go on. I, I know that there's a lot of names, but uh, God knows you, and uh, I, I appreciate you so much. Well, in Exodus chapter 12, in verses 1 through 3, notice with me, if you would, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Now notice here that we have the beginning of what was called the Jewish Passover, what we call the Jewish Passover. But notice in those verses that we read, it says a lamb for a house. A lamb. One lamb is enough. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is enough. He is enough to save this entire world if the people of this world would simply trust Him 
as Lord and Savior. Who is Jesus Christ? He's our Passover. That's us. That's us. He is our Passover. Notice now verses 5 through 7. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. Now, as, I, as I've read this before, and I read it tonight, I see where the blood was applied to the two doorposts and the top. To me, that would represent the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood on each side and the blood at the top. To me, that is a representation of the blood of Jesus Christ. But notice, in verses 5 through 7, something is spoken there. It says, your lamb. This is personal. It's our lamb, but it is a personal lamb to the Israelite people, to the Jewish people. Jesus Christ is our personal lamb. Now, he's, he died for the whole world, but he died for me personally. He is my personal lamb. Now look at verse 9 of chapter 12 of Exodus. It says there, Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. What this verse tells me is it is not to be watered down. And as I look at this, I see a picture of the gospel here. The gospel is to be presented completely, not watered down. Uh, tell it like it is. And I believe that, that we who preach the Word of God, we're not to cut corners. We're to say it like it is and tell the people of this world how things are found in the Word of God, what is contained here. It is the Word of God, and we're not to back down from that. We're to stand. We're not to compromise, but we're to stand for Jesus Christ. Now notice this. Verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you, uh, ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Well, there is only one way to escape the plague of sin tonight, and that is the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb cleanses from all sin. Now, who is Jesus? Who is our Passover? Jesus Christ. Now, tonight, in John chapter 1 and verse 29, now, some of these verses I have written down, and you may not be able to turn to them very quickly as I, as I go over them, but I'd like for you to listen. The main thing I want you to gather tonight is the Word of God. Notice, John 1, 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of, uh, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
We live in a sad hour today and tonight, an hour in which many, both within and without the church, see no need of old-fashioned, Bible-centered, blood-bought salvation. They say things such as, man doesn't need the blood in order to be saved. I actually had, and I don't know if I've shared this, there was an individual, a so-called pastor, who had sent me an email, and he said, there is no need to have the blood mentioned in the churches. There is no need for us to celebrate or to have a bloody cross, a representation of someone hanging there. Well, I got news for you tonight. The gospel hasn't changed. The gospel talks and tells us about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some have even gone so far as this, as to remove songs dealing with the blood from their modernistic liberal hymnals. And listen to this quote now from this modern female theologian named Dolores Williams. I don't think we need a theory of atonement at all, she says. I don't think we need folks hanging on crosses and blood dripping and weird stuff. This is what you're finding in the modernistic churches of our world today. Now, don't get mad now. Oprah Winfrey has also been promoting the teaching of the New Age guru, Marianne Williamson. In fact, she gave Williamson a radio show on the Oprah Network to promote such beliefs as there is no sin, the recognition of God is the recognition of yourself, a slain Christ has no meaning, do not make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. Well, I'm afraid it doesn't much matter what Miss Williams, Oprah, or others of their variety think. What matters is what God has said, and you see, just as a body emptied of blood becomes a corpse, so faith devoid of cleansing blood of Jesus is dead. Now, the blood is the bedrock of our faith and practice, and I'm so glad that I heard about the old rugged cross tonight. I heard about Jesus Christ in the songs that we sang tonight. The church, the Bible, the gospel, and our faith apart from the blood, are all dead. But thank God for the blood. I'm glad that I can report to you tonight that the blood is still there. And I can report that there's still power in the blood. I wouldn't stand here tonight if I didn't believe that. I wouldn't stand here tonight if God had not given me marching orders to proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. Others may flee from the truth of a bloody salvation, but I will cling to the blood. Religion may decry it and call it out of date, repulsive, barbaric, but I'll just stick with the blood of Jesus. Robert Lowry, the songwriter, got it right when he penned the old song, Nothing But the Blood. Now, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, what we're going to look at tonight is designed to show you what only Christ's blood can do. And if you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, then this message will serve as an encouraging reminder of what you possess in Jesus Christ today. Charles Spurgeon said this, Let this be to you the mark of true gospel preaching where Christ is everything and the creature is nothing, where it is salvation all of grace, 
through the work of the Holy Spirit, applying to the soul the precious blood of Jesus. Now notice with me tonight, only the blood of Jesus, what it has done, only the blood, what it has done for many and what it can do for you as we look together into the Word of God. I would ask you now to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Familiar verses. Just before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for this privilege. I pray now that you would speak to our hearts. May I, Lord, take no shortcuts. May I present your word as you would have me to present it. Lord, give me what I need that your people can receive what they need through your word. Thank you, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Only the blood of Jesus Christ could produce a Savior. Now, according to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it says this, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Revelation 13, 8 goes on to say, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, that's the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, according to 1 Peter and the verses I read there, foreordained. Jesus was foreordained to become the sacrifice for sin before the world was ever created. Did you ever hear that song someone has sung, God searched all over heaven looking for a Savior? Have you, ever, have you ever heard that song? There's a song that goes like, well, God didn't have to search all over heaven because he knew that Jesus Christ was coming into the world to seek and to save those who are lost. And thank God he found me. He found me, and I thank God that he's found a lot of you out there. But if you have not trusted him as your Savior, you need to do that even tonight. Well, Jesus accomplished many things during his walk on earth. God became flesh according to the word of God. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons can say what they want. They can deny that Jesus is God all they want to, and it's to their detriment they'll end up in hell. You can look at their, I don't suggest you do this, but they even go against their own scripture, their own uh, uh, Bibles, it says that Jesus is God if they just simply read it and believe it and let God lead them. Verse 14 of John 1 says, And the Word, that's Jesus, was made flesh, he's God, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, as you're well aware, and I, I believe that many in here are well aware, that Jesus fulfilled many Old Testament prophecies. He was born of a virgin. The Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Don't believe these uh, characters that say there was a young woman uh, who, had, uh, who would 
have Jesus Christ or conceive and bear a son, she was a virgin, not just simply a young woman. He was born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth. Unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Someone has said, well, the Bible talks about him being in Nazareth. Well, that's where he grew up, wasn't it? He grew up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. We also see that he was the seed of David. John seven forty two says, Hath not the scripture said? What scripture? The Bible, the word of God, the Old Testament talks about this. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? In Psalm chapter 1, verse, uh, chapter uh, 132 and verse 11, The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of the body will I set upon thy throne. He was the seed of David. There's no doubt about that. Why? Because the scriptures say so. He was a man of sorrows. He was a man of compassion. Something else. Jesus accomplished many things. But notice this. He lived a sinless life. Had he not done that, you and I would be lost tonight. He was God, but he was also man. Had he not lived the sinless life, then going to the cross and shedding his blood would have done us no good. But he led, he had a sinless life. And, and notice, notice this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. It says, who did no sin, this is Jesus, neither was guile found in his mouth. Now Jesus did so many things when he was here walking on this earth that John said that the, the world could not contain the books of the, the things that if they were written about Jesus Christ. The world could not contain those things. Well, however many things Jesus accomplished during his walk on this earth, he never, he never became the savior of mankind until he climbed the Calvary, the, the old hill, the hill called Calvary. And when we look at this, he never became the actual savior of mankind until he climbed Calvary and was nailed to the cross and shed his precious blood. It isn't the life of Christ or the teachings that save the soul. It is his blood and that alone. Hebrews 9.22, another familiar verse to many, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission, no doubt. Now in death, he became our Savior. Now only the blood of Jesus could produce a Savior, but notice this, only the blood of Jesus can purchase the sinner. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 declares this. He declares to us that we have been redeemed 
Now this word means to liberate by the payment of a ransom. And I've heard it preached so many times that we are slave. We were in the slave market of sin and we were bought back. We were bought back. Now we became bondservants of Jesus Christ. We become bondservants, not because we're forced into it, but because we love the Lord. Now, sinners need redemption. Why? They are slaves to sin. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. If you think you're going to make it to heaven because you're good, you're not going to make it. You make it to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now notice, sinners are lost and separated from God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sinners tonight are hell-bound and hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. Psalm 917 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 now, if you would. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I've had people look at me as I've witnessed to them. And I have presented heaven and hell to them. I have to do that. I have to tell them about both places that they can have heaven if they choose, if they will receive what Jesus has done for them, or they will go to hell. And I've had people look at me and say, well, my friends are going to be there. I'm going to have a lot of friends down there. No, you'll not have any friends down there. You may, you may have people down there that you become acquainted with in this world, but they're going to be suffering just like you are. The Bible says that the devil's going to be there, and uh, he's going to suffer just like you are. But the Bible says that those people who refuse Jesus Christ as Savior will be turned into hell. They will go to hell. Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15 now. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now turn with me to chapter 22 of Revelation. Verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy... God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. If you do not believe the entire Bible is God's truth, your next stop will be hell. Then the lake of fire. It only gets worse if you go to hell. You're cast into the lake of fire later. Now Rob Bell of the Emerging Church, we heard uh, Pastor Neil speak about the Emerging Church recently here. Rob Bell, a man by the name of Rob Bell, is, is one of the instigators of this, uh, of this thing called the Emerging Church. And he, uh, along with a, with a group, say that there is no hell. Well, let Rob Bell, Oprah, 
or others of their variety think and say there is no hell until they turn red in the face. But as for me, I believe what Jesus said when he said this, You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Matthew 23, verse 33. And then he also said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's only one way to escape. And that's to receive my Passover, Jesus Christ. You can do that if you'll receive him. Try anything you will, but only the blood of Christ makes men, women, boys and girls acceptable for heaven. It blessed my heart to hear the young lady that got saved. And uh, makes no difference to her daddy's from West Virginia. Okay, she still got saved. I thank God for that. Well, I'm from West Virginia, so you know. The innocent blood of Christ was shed on the cross of Calvary. Yet some have separated themselves from their guilt of sin, as did Pilate. You remember the account in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 24. He said, I wash my hands of this innocent blood. Well, in addition to admitting that the blood of Christ is innocent, a person... But did you hear anybody say, I love Jesus to death? But they're not saved. They've never trusted Jesus. Well, in addition to uh, saying you love him, in addition to saying that he has, he's innocent, uh, innocent blood, a person must accept the offering of the blood. They must receive, they must re- receive the offering of the blood of Jesus, in, and that's their only means of salvation. A cry must go forth as such. Only the blood of Christ can save me because the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. Those who are saved tonight can have the joy of knowing that they are eternally saved through the blood of Jesus and can sing the song of the redeemed. Don't get worried, I'm not going to sing. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Only the blood of Jesus could produce a Savior. And only the blood of Jesus can purchase the sinner. And now only the blood of Jesus can purify from sin. Obedience to God's Word purifies the soul from sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned, this is unpretentious love, unfeigned love, this is not a fake love, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now the blood has always been God's plan. Go back into the book of Genesis, you read about Adam and Eve and uh, they sinned, you know, they uh, ate of the tree that God told them not to eat of. But something happened there. God provided coats of skins. That means blood was shed. Cain and Abel, remember Abel, he gave the first of the flock for an offering to God. He gave the best. This was the blood offering. Blood was shed. Noah, after the flood, Noah offered burnt offerings on the altar. Blood 
was shed. When God gave worship guidelines to the Jews, he demanded blood, according to the book of Leviticus. And God still hasn't changed his mind about the blood. Remember, without the shedding of blood is no remission. There is no remission. Even all the millions of gallons of blood that was shed, as we read of in the Old Testament, that wasn't enough. That simply covered. That covered the sin. And uh, when, when I think of, you remember the rich man went, he died and he went to hell. You remember Lazarus was being comforted in paradise. And I've often wondered, and, and I wondered, well, how come there was paradise well, I believe that it was because, now I may be wrong, but I believe it was because those Old Testament saints, Abraham and, and all the Old Testament saints, they were there because their blood had just been covered. Jesus had to go liberate them, and the only way he could liberate them was shedding his blood, taking away the sin, instead of just having the blood of bulls and goats cover that sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, It is finished. He had given his life. He had given his blood. And he was ready to bring those people out of paradise and take them to heaven. Now notice Hebrews chapter 9. Turn with me. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Religion can't do it. Good works can't do it. Baptism can't do it. Church membership can't do it. Wishful thinking can't do it. Heartfelt promises can't do it. But the trip to the old rugged cross can. Remember the woman at the well. She asked Jesus. Jesus told her, said, if you would just drink of the living water. She said, how can you have nothing to draw with? He said, if you just knew who I was. And she, said, she realized that he was the Messiah. And he said, if you drink of the living water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst again. Well, the Bible, I believe, indicates that she got saved because she drank of that living water from Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Only the blood of Jesus could produce a Savior. Only the blood of Jesus can purchase the sinner. And only the blood of Jesus can purify from sin. Now notice, only the blood of Jesus can preserve the saint. Bless God, this should get us all shouting tonight. Not running the aisles. Now don't anybody try that. Okay, don't do that. Somebody might tackle you. Okay, of course, if Hollis not here tonight, Hollis might tackle you if you try that. Only the blood of Jesus can preserve the saint. Well, what the blood of Jesus does in us is a forever work. The Bible tells us that there's an incorruptible seed. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Who's the word? Jesus Christ. He's incorruptible. Who is our Passover? 
Jesus Christ is our Passover. He's incorruptible, the incorruptible seed. The blood of Jesus Christ guarantees us eternal security. I got saved, and um, when I got saved, you know, I was very happy, and I got saved in a Baptist church. And then I found out that they believed in that damnable doctrine, eternal security. Now, it's not damnable, don't get me wrong. I know better than that now. But growing up in the hills, you hear in the, in the places where, where I was at, you hear that a lot. Well, you're, you know, how can you be safe forever? You've got to hold out. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Well, I got my Bible out. And, uh, you know, you have, you have a tendency to do that when you first get saved. You want to read and read and read. Well, I got my Bible out, and I started reading. And, and I came upon verses that spoke to my heart. And uh, uh, verses such as, uh, uh, Jesus Christ will give everybody eternal life. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse jumped out at me. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto what? The day of redemption. Now when I saw those things, I suddenly realized that what I had been listening to and, and heard all of my life, before I even got saved, I realized that, it was, that what I had heard was not scriptural. And that God spoke to my heart. He came to me in his word, and he let me know. He blessed my heart at the same time of knowing that I was saved forever. And it was though the scriptures jumped out at me. Now, do you believe Jesus? There may be somebody listening tonight who thinks they've got to hold on. You've got, to, you've, you really got... You, you know, you really have no control. You, you've really got, you've got to hold on. Well, Jesus said this, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, let me give you an illustration. Harry Ironside said this. He stated that salvation was like Noah inviting a pagan in his day to place his trust in God's word and come into the ark. Well, he goes on to say that some view salvation like Noah offering to put a peg on the outside of the ark. If you just hang on through the storm, you'll be saved. Well, salvation is not dependent, Harry Ironside goes on to say. It's not dependent on uh, our holding on to God, but on our being securely held by and in Jesus Christ. Only the blood of Jesus. Only in the blood does a person find true, eternal salvation. To be saved means to be rescued from all harm and danger. If I am still in danger, then I am not saved. If there is the slightest danger that I can lose my salvation, then I am not saved. But I'm secure in the Lord tonight because He has saved my soul. I'm on my way to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus could produce a Savior. Only the blood of Jesus can purchase the sinner. Only the blood of Jesus can purify from sin. Only the blood of Jesus can preserve the saint. And finally, and let me caution you when a preacher says finally, that doesn't mean very much. Okay, you can go on and on. But finally, only the blood of Jesus can promise 
salvation. Look with me in 1 Peter once again. 1 Peter chapter 1. Only the blood of Jesus can promise salvation. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. If you are unsaved, only the blood of Jesus offers you any hope whatsoever. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Revelation 22.17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Jesus calls. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. There's a lot in that verse. The, the, the uh, Holy Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who heareth say, Come. Those people who receive Jesus Christ, we're to speak out. And we're to invite people to the cross of Calvary. We're to let people know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Romans 10, 13, familiar verse, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The blood of Jesus has never and will never lose its saving power, according to the Scriptures. Hebrews 7, 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament, chapter 3 and verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it, that men should fear before him. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I ask you tonight, are your sins under the blood of Jesus? If you are not saved, please turn loose of whatever is holding you back, keeping you to come, coming to Jesus Christ tonight. One more illustration. An evangelist tells of an incident from the days when he held tent meetings. Anybody in here remember tent meetings? This man, this evangelist, said one day after a series of meetings was over, he was pulling up tent stakes. A young man approached him and asked what he had to do to be saved. The evangelist answered and said, Sorry, it's too late. Oh no, the young man said. Uh, The evangelist said, I mean, it's too late because it's already been done. Everything that could be done for your salvation has already been done. And after explaining Christ's finished work on the cross to the young man, he led him to a saving faith of Jesus Christ. If you're unsaved tonight, you can be saved by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are saved, remember this. Lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. And the Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't lose because of our Passover, Jesus Christ.
John 10, 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You and I, as saved people tonight, can't lose because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.